2: That's BlueNile.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening on Monday at 8 p.m. I know we've moved from Tuesdays to Mondays, folks, uh, and that's right. That's where we're going to be sat for the uh, foreseeable future um, due to uh, personal commitments that I have on a Tuesday evening. So uh, it's going to be moving from, or it has moved now, from... Uh, tuesday to uh to monday sorry to let everyone know on the old socials i should have done uh, my bad um, but so uh, we'll try and um, sort that out we'll try and try and get better at that uh for you've been kind of busy and it's all been a bit crazy here in, in new zealand with um the whole rain uh situation um obviously in uh, auckland but also out down here in the coromandel as well with the uh, Various roads uh, closed due to landslips, and uh, it's going to be a long time before I even get back uh, to, uh, well, having all our roads open, uh, to be honest, as one of our roads has kind of disappeared down into the valley. But there we go. Um, we're all safe, um, which, uh, and I hope you are all staying safe um, as well uh, in uh, these, uh, well, one of these horrible storms. And um, what are we going to have a chat about today? Well, the Six Nations are coming up, so i have a chat about that. Um, there's also a whole bunch of stuff happening off the pitch um, that will round up as well. Not particularly um, good stuff, but hey, um, it's, uh, it needs to be done. And if uh, Stephen joins us, uh, I'm sure he'll give us a recap of what happened at the Sevens at the weekend. I'll be honest, I didn't uh, watch the Sevens, but congratulations to uh, the two New Zealand teams, Black Fern Sevens and the All Black Sevens who won the Sydney Sevens um, over there. I would say I didn't watch any of it, but um, hopefully, uh, if so went, if uh, if Stephen does join us, he'll give us some. Um, he, he kept he was kept on top of it more than I definitely did. So let's uh, run through a bunch of the off the field off the pitch stuff that is uh, going on. Last week I talked about reduction of tackle heights to, to waist and below um, by the RFU. Now they backtracked on that one um, and said they didn't. Uh, uh, that they didn't uh, well they apologized for the anger um, and um, concern they created and they didn't uh, handle it very well so they got into consultation mode they're still looking at reducing the height of tackling for next season the question is quite where do they reduce it down to does it get all the way down to the waist or do they do some sort of sternum thing do do a nipple height thing do they shoulder and we'll wait and see um, as to where that all pans out but um, the uh, as I say, it's um, they've uh, backtracked on that one, and uh, uh, we'll see how uh, that pans out over the uh, next few months because we're still over six months away, or about six or seven months away, from that actually coming into force. Um, and, and um, so so that's uh, so that's that, that, that's kind of good news. Good evening, Mr. Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Oh, very good.
3: Thank you, Paul. A little bit late, but I do apologise, but always a privilege and a pleasure to get on
0: when I do make it. Well, it is good. It? Just make sure you've got your cabling nice and high up. I don't want you uh, electrocuting yourself as the floodwaters uh, uh, swamp around your ankles there. Uh, yeah. So do, do keep do keep your electrics high and off the floor because uh, hopefully you and uh, your friends and family are all nice and safe up there, in uh, keeping yourselves all nice and safe up there in Auckland
3: yeah we are very very fortunate to to be honest uh but paul obviously you know a lot of the pictures that have probably been beamed around the country and probably to a few places around the world um it's definitely been an extreme summer in the 09 shall we say and um, thoughts go out to all those people that are that are affected you know the crazy thing about it it's it's just primarily in pockets of auckland but uh, you know obviously enough water i think it was the equivalent of uh Three months rain and, and one and eight hours from what I believe and uh, of course if you're going to get that amount of uh, deluge, you're going to have issues at the end of the day and it's going to be a an issue for any sort of storm system to uh, to deal with.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, good evening, nocturnal. All right, it's great to see you joining us and uh, and you've, you've, you've called us as, as we've moved from Tuesdays to Mondays. Uh, but good to hear that you are all safe up there. Uh, we're all good down here in uh, in Waikie as well. as so say we have lost a couple of roads around here, but. Um, Hopefully, we'll get those back um, over the next few months. Um, so, uh, the yeah, SA so and everyone, please do stay safe, safe out there. So, yeah. So, just kind of quick cover off on the uh, RFU backtracking and apologising for their handling of their of the lowering of the tackle heights. Um, next up, uh, we talked again. I talked again last week about um, the uh, uh, um, well the the sex, um, uh, so, so the sexism, misogyny. Issues that uh, the Welsh Rugby Union were uh, having uh, as well, and uh, since then their CEO has stepped down. Um, Steve Phillips now uh, has has resigned, uh, for having whereas last week he was saying he was the best man for the job. So um, he's he's now gone uh, the uh, in that in that, in that place. Now he does say, sorry, what the Welsh Rugby Union do do make it clear that he is not one of the people that is being uh, accused of anything. Um, but uh, obviously, it happened under his watch, uh, and he is the kind of leading the culture of that organisation. So he has, um, so he has decided to uh, stand down, and uh, ex-player Nigel Walker has stepped up as uh, interim C- uh, chief executive there, um, having been uh, head of the uh, sort of performance side of things. So um, he's come out with a very different approach than we had previously from Ryan Evans and. and uh, uh, and Steve Phillips, um very much more being remorseful um, and uh, uh, saying how change is, is needed. Uh, the title says uh, Nigel Walker expresses remorse over misogynism, sexism, and race racism scandal. Now, um I'll be honest, I don't know what the racism bit was, um, but um because I've not seen any mention of that, but uh, uh, look. Um, when you think that Canada uh, had a had a review as to around their women's team,, uh, we've had one here in New Zealand, there's been one in uh, um, Ireland, the, this, uh, off, off the back of this, um, a, the parents of a player who uh, unfortunately took her own life in Scotland also came out saying they've still not got uh, the responses from Scottish rugby um, that they expected. Uh, this is a, a, a sad state of affairs globally that clearly uh, the, the rugby union's uh, administrators have not got uh, everything uh, or, or, or have not been adapting to the women's game uh, as, as quickly as they should have done uh, in, in my opinion um, but Paul, uh, this is a bit of a global thing yeah, Sim? yeah
3: Paul something I was going to going to add to that I listen I, I, I suppose there's so many different areas of, of a game that a CEO has to has to cover and you know we've seen a perfect example of sometimes when the when the leader of a ship has to rely on communications from from other people but I suppose to to get around that you've got to get those systems in place that people are, are actually aware of what's happening in your neighbourhood, so to speak, and and unfortunately the buck bo- the buck does stop at the with, with the top guy, and we you know we're seeing a we're we're seeing an example of that with uh, um, what's happened in, in Auckland, and that's just primarily in and around communication. Um, if you don't keep your sta- stakeholders uh, I- in the mix and, you know, make sure that you're looking after your own people, boy, it's going to come back and bite you. And um, unfortunately, there it, it has to be some sort of accountability. I must admit, I felt a little bit for uh, for Warren Gatlin when he arrived at his job. It was one of the first questions, if you remember, that he was asked about, and it was all very, very new to... to um, to warren gatlin although considering that you know that something like that may have been around it was only what well, it's only been about three or four years since he's been back and doing rugby pool so
0: yeah interesting uh yeah look it, it's um it's uh it, it's yeah there's the, the the person at the top does does lead need the culture and i, I guess the, the 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 immediate change in tone of communication from the wyu uh does i guess speak a little bit as to uh, as, as to that, that the top person is. The, to me, I, I believe that culture is top down driven uh, in all organizations, not just sporting ones. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I think it's it, when when they've had warnings that they had problems and he didn't take action um, about it. Uh, and then when it came to light a couple of years later, um, that he had warnings and then things happening in those two years, you've got to say that's, uh, that he, he had to step down. But I say it's something that looks that appears to be a fairly I say uh, something ac- across um, rugby and globally. It's looking at the number of um, uh, investigations, blah blah blah, we've had on that. Moving on from that one, then, and um, our final piece of administrative st- or, or ad- admin stuff is uh, Bernard Laporte um, has resigned from the uh, French Rugby Union. The uh, so we've lost the CEO of Wales, and they've lost the um, uh, the president, I think it was, of the uh, the French Rugby Union now. Uh, he's going for totally different reasons. Um, basically, corruption uh, is the one where he's been found uh, guilty um, of uh, of manipulating things to uh, help his friend Altrad uh, around the um, fines that his team have, that his, that his club, that that club was going to get. Uh, he's also since then been uh, having been arrested around tax stuff um, and uh, been been released. Uh, so there's a separate case going on on that side of things as well. Um, so all a bit of a mess, and he's stepped down from the FFR. Um, as far as I'm aware, he's still holding his position as vice president of world rugby. That doesn't seem to have changed yet. Um, it didn't... Uh, he, I mean, he had to step down as the FFR went. Basically, the clubs all voted against his suggested interim president of uh, Patrick as uh, He was rejected by the clubs, and so his uh, position became untenable there. So, um, yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I think Laporte is on his way out of the um, of the building from a rugby point of view, but uh, uh, he's not uh, he's not going to go quietly, and he's not going to go quickly. Um, I think is, is is what we're seeing, here, Stephen.
3: Yeah, that's an interesting one for me. And what is a very very big year for French rugby? Obviously, they're the host of the the Rugby World Cup, so that is a, a, a bit of a surprise that that World Rugby haven't haven't moved on that one. You know, they, they're obviously quite happy. Well, I wouldn't say they might be happy, but you know. I think the fact that they haven't made a move is is, is deeply concerning. Um, but I think that's a, I think that was the only possible solution when it comes to the uh, French Rugby Union.
0: Yeah, look, and I'm sure the Rugby World Cup will go ahead fine. But um, it doesn't help that they lost the uh, the, the their former World um, World Cup organising chief executive Claude that was fired last year. After uh, French labor ins- um, investigation by French labor inspectors into his workplace conduct, um, so uh, it's all been a bit of a mess over in uh, in France um, as well. So yeah, um, come on, administrators, get your act together and start behaving like adults, please. Um, rather than uh, I think these are your sort of personal fiefdoms um, to, uh, to to play around with um, would be nice. So there we go. Um, lots of stuff off the pitch that's been going on but um, on the pitch Stephen, we had the um, sydney sevens at the weekend and i saw a few, couple of messages from you um uh, around i must say i didn't watch any of it um but uh, the uh, the black fern sevens and the all black sevens came out on top in the end um what did you make of the uh, the, the weekend's action from uh, from sydney yeah no, pr- pretty good they had reasonably solid solid crowds in, in, in sydney over the three days now
3: <clears throat> in terms of um in terms of the standard, the standard of play, it was it was it was pretty good. I suppose the, the real big surprise was really the fa- the failure of the host um, country, both in the men's and women's, not to get through to the you know the the, the semi-finals. Some of them they were locked. They were knocked out pretty, pretty early. Well, at least the men, I think, were knocked out relatively early. I have to look back at the, 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 draw at that one, Paul. So that, to me, that was a real surprise. But I think once the Australian team were knocked out, I think you always had a feeling that the New Zealand women's team, Black Ferns, who are just in such great form at the moment, would, uh, would go on and win it. I suppose the only concern being they've lost. It seems to say they've, they may have uh, lost Micha- Michaela Bly for the. next, next uh, next round, which I believe could be in Los Angeles or North America somewhere, Um, she could be definitely out of that that tournament, given that she didn't feature in either the semi-final or the final, but uh, no, fantastic performance, and of course, to put the icing on the cake, the New Zealand uh, men's team um, basically uh, made their way through the final, they probably broke a, a couple of years along the way and winning the tournament and be, and be beating Samoa for the first time this year, who's been a bit of a, a nemesis for them. And of course, I uh, came up against a South African team who'd played in a very, very tough semi-final. I think it might have been against, uh, um, I stand to be corrected, and that probably took a, a lot out of them. So they look quite battered. By the time they met New Zealand in the final, but I certainly don't want to take anything away from this uh, uh, New Zealand New Zealand side. Joe Weber coming up uh, as the uh, player of the player of the final. Um, maybe it's got something to do with his haircut, Paul, <laughs> as I might have mentioned somewhere on the on the on the social network. But he certainly uh, took on board um, took the mental as as maybe the game game player. And the in the team and and manage the team very very well. But uh, listen, special special mention mention for Frederick uh, Frederick uh, Solo. I think his name is uh, boy. He's uh, he's some he's some footballer. This uh, this young man. Um, gee, he, uh, he his his story is a great story. Pat basically said, listen, I want to have a trial. I can't make it in the sevens. So that's a. Exactly. to played in a, played in a, in a couple of trials and uh, gee, before you you know it, each of this New Zealand sevens team. So yeah, good good weekend all round, um, it does New Zealand team with the men's and the women's a bit of a uh, a bit of a buffer pool.
0: Yeah, so the Blitz blocks play say play Fiji in the semi final. There, 31-12 was their winning margin. And uh, just going to bring in John now, who's joined us. How are you doing, sir?
4: Your timing is impeccable.
0: Well, it would just be, as it. I take a just
4: as I take a mouthful of food, as I wait, Paul comes yeah, straight doing. to me.
0: I was going to say, yeah. Did, 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 could you finish your dinner first, please? Um, there we go on that one. Um, so yes, so the. Uh, uh, so yeah, number, this is the last time that we're going to have uh, this many rounds in the World Series, as, as Christopher Edwards-Bailey mentioned there, uh, that it's going to be reduced next year. Apparently, North and South America will combine their uh, regional series and uh, Japan, Hong Kong uh, and South Korea would like to see the Asia combined with Oceania. So we'll see how that uh, second um, uh, tier of of, of, uh, of competitions uh, pans out Um because to my mind yeah reducing stops on the stops on the world on the world series isn't necessarily a good thing um, from that one John did you watch any of the uh, the sevens at the weekend
4: I didn't and um, I was going to catch it up this evening and then I saw that uh, New Zealand had absolutely tranced the blitz box which was surprising not that they won but the margin so it wasn't much of a, a competition but well done to the to the all black sevens
3: yep. Yeah, I've just got to say that um, the Blitz Blocks um, shouldn't be too downcast because just looking at the points table after five rounds, they're only no points adrift of the New Zealand team. And we know, gee, you can be up one week and, and down the next week. And uh, I couldn't help think but that semi-final that the uh, Blitz Blocks played against uh, Fiji probably took a, a heck of a lot of them that week. Yeah, very game where I, I think New Zealand's path through to the final, probably just that little little bit little bit easier, Paul, and I think that that probably played a played a part as uh, as well. I'll just quickly look at the uh, table for the uh, Black Ferns, and once again, the Black Ferns uh, after five rounds 78 points. Australia, dis- despite not having a good home home tournament sitting on 66 points. And uh, USA been a bit of a surprise at 60, 66 points. But just a point on that Australian uh, woman's side, they are a young side, average age of uh, 21 in that side. And they've got some very, very, very good young uh, young footballers of, of modern Pacific Island descent. And they're all around about that 19, 20, 21 age, although it was, um, it's, it's fair to Say from a New Zealand's point of view, <clears throat> their, their player undoubtedly of the final, and and probably the tournament was eighteen year old uh, Georgia Miller, who's uh, just unbelievable, year out of school, and boy doing doing things that are way way far and advanced of her age. So uh, good to see. So I, I still think it's 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 wide open. Even in that woman women's division, there's really only uh, what, what should I say probably about twelve points covering those first three teams that can change very
0: quickly. Yep. Well, moving on then from that we'll briefly stop off on the um super rugby side of things just to mention that uh, the season is creeping up on us because we've got pre-season games um happening this coming Saturday so um, Waratahs are playing the uh, Brumbies um, and the Force will be hosting the uh, the Reds over in Australia so the uh, pre-season games for super rugby um, are kicking off um, this weekend now. I'm not sure, but I, I actually doubt that uh, those games will be televised on Sky over here in New Zealand. So we won't be able to necessarily bring you much uh, apart from the score back and uh, or any reports we can read on about those games. But uh, so we'll 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 have a quick chat about those next weekend when they kick off. And then we're just um, two week two weekends away from the uh, New Zealand teams also getting involved with their pre seasons. The Highlanders uh, hosting the Crusaders. On uh, the tenth of Feb on the Friday um, afternoon, there five thirty kickoff, and then on Saturday the Blues hosting the uh, the Hurricanes. So we say we're not far away from uh, um, all of that um, uh, getting uh, uh, getting off. And October right says, "Yeah, um, has already busted Fabian Holland for the first uh, two rounds at least. No, oh, dear. So injuries already yeah. taking their toll on teams. But then." Let's get into the uh, the meat of what we're going to talk about this week, this, uh, this this week, which is the Six Nations that are kicking off this coming weekend with um, three games, as we do in every round. And of course, you're going to that. So i just uh, need to open up my. Um, someone's shuffling away. there. Um, John. You need to um, careful on. Uh, so three games coming up this weekend. We've got uh, Wales versus Ireland, England versus Scotland, and France versus Italy. But before we look into that, let's look, um, look back on last year um, as to how all these teams went, which might give us an idea as to how they'll go this season. Um, if we have a look at um, the uh, table from last year, it was very much a two um, top two teams ahead of the rest, um, with France winning the, again the Grand Slam, winning all their five games um, ahead of Ireland, who were... Uh, 1-4, um, only, only lost up one game to France, whereas uh, England, Scotland, Wales, and Italy all kind of beat each other and uh, in that one. So you had England and Scotland finishing on 10 points each, followed by Wales and Italy in last place. But they did get a win, as we'll talk about later. Um, looking at the rankings going into the, into the Six Nations last year, England were the top-ranked team in third place in the world rankings, with Ireland in fourth and France in fifth, um, but uh, clearly those two came through and uh, dominated the uh, competition with uh, Scotland, Wales and Italy in 7th, 8th and 14th, finishing in the same order as wow. their world rankings. Um, guys, um surprised surprised um, last year um, that um, the, uh, ab- about the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, ab- about the sort of dominance of um, France and Ireland, and uh, none of the other teams were stick.
4: John? Hello? Can you guys hear yeah. me? Oh. Yeah, we can hear you. Well, <clears throat> I think that uh, what's surprising is how well the French have done considering all the drama that's going on in their, in their game. You know, what's going on in the administration of the game. The Yes and no, it
0: does, it does appear to be that there is a better relationship with the um league as a between the kind of the 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 management of the french team and uh and the league than it has been for 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 maybe for, for for quite a few years but yes you're quite right that i mean obviously laporte um i guess that wasn't really coming to a head last year when this all when this all sort of kicked off but um they not seem to be kind of what was they don't i mean obviously the the the, the league um representatives on the french board have resigned in um trying to force a total re-election of the board uh but others haven't but um but yeah so it, it is it is interesting that's that sort of that's the backdrop to this to this one um but that's,
4: so the 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 issue is you know and i speak from said one experience the fish rots from the head And so many of the problems that South African rugby has experienced over the last 25, 30 years have been because of the leadership of the game, not because of the talent or the passion or even the cattle. Maybe there was a short period, early 2000s, around the 2003 World Cup, where there was a a shortage of really world-class players, but then the very next World Cup they won. So the leadership is so important in rugby. It's so important in so many aspects of life, but rugby as a game is one of the most leadership-intensive sports around. And, uh, uh, I mean, let's be honest, the reason why the All Blacks have been the best over the last 30 years is is the decisions and the leadership that was taken in the 90s, you know. Um, of course, they were always superb over the last 100 years, but their leadership was so great. Now, there's so many issues in, in the New Zealand rugby leadership and, is this, and surprise, surprise, there's an effect on the performance. Uh, you see the performance on the field is not what uh, all black supporters would expect. So, that's the thing that that has surprised me is that although it may only have come out post the last Six Nations, it was still going on. I mean, we got no surprise that there's uh, been corruption in French rugby after what happened in the awarding of the upcoming World Cup. You know, there was obviously stuff going on. And generally that filters down into the rest of the game. And the fact that they've been able to... In that environment still be able to to bring a squad together and be as highly ranked as they are that's pretty impressive and it's a pretty good job done by the management team of the actual squad itself
0: yeah as i'm talking right so it's a very subtle team and coaches um keeping the powder dry yeah the coaches are very set, uh, are settled and um seem to get on well uh and they seem to get on well with the with the players whereas um i remember in and probably stephen you'll remember this in 2011 over here. In France, in New Zealand, when the French team had a mutiny and basically told the coaches to go away and ran the team themselves during a the rugby World Cup, so um, they they tend to. I mean, they, and they and they made a final that year. So even when there is chaos going on off the pitch, the the play, I think that's kind of part of the French uh, psyche that they mm-hmm. can still live on the pitch team.
3: Yeah, they're mm-hmm. always in dis- they're always in disarray, aren't they? According to the press, and uh, and I think if you believe that, um, I think you believe that at your at your peril because I think they're one of those teams. Once they get out on the field, if the headspace is is right, they um, they can they can hurt you. Put it that way. Mm.
0: Yep. I times yeah. New Zealand rugby case of chickens coming home to roost. And I guess one of the things that John said was there about was uh, decisions made in the nineties and how they sort of flowed on for the next twenty years. Uh, those are a lot of that. Um, uh, it can take time. Whilst things might rock from the head, it he can take time for it to filter through, um, as well both positively and negatively. Um, so that's what uh, happened in the Six Nations last year and how the sort of teams came into it. What I thought we'd have a quick look at then is how the uh, the teams played last year. Um, and what I've done is I've gone through and put all the results for each of the teams um, from last year and uh, color coded it. So green is uh, as a win for the team, red is a is a loss, and a blue. There for the solitary draw between England and uh, the All Blacks in uh, back in November, but um, yes, what drove France to uh, to that win and to the set number number two ranking in the world? Well, uh, the perfect season. They uh, they didn't lose a game last year, um, and not only that, but they were racking up thirty um, odd points. I mean, they they scored thirty points against Australia uh, and and South Africa during that November window. Um, also, uh, and they also uh, went got 30 points or more in a further four games last year, so more than half their games last year. Um, France scored over 30 points, sure. They leaked a few points, um, like t- over 20 points against Australia and South Africa. But if you're scoring 30 odd and you're only letting in 20 odd, you're still the right side of the ledger, so yeah. They, um I guess that, that that then shows us the style of that they're playing is that French are very much an attacking team. We're going to score more points than you, even with uh Jonathan Edwards there and being the the English speaker is the person that a lot of the English press sort of will give credit to on about defence. But um this is a lot driven by by, by the attack as much as the defence, isn't it, boys? Yeah, I go along with you
3: there, Paul. I, I was going to say though, it's it's a bit ironic, but the the two games. That they almost really and, and all truthfully should have lost were in that we're in that uh, autumn window, and mm. um, that was ag- that was against Australia because Australia unfortunately just couldn't couldn't find a way to to win a game this year, and I and I think it's probably a game of South Africa looks looks back at, but for a couple of in, in my opinion a, a couple of dodgy calls that could have mm. gone either way because in that particular game I actually think they were manhandled. As a, as a forward pick in, in that spring walking Um yes. I don't think it's I don't think it was one of those score lines that actually um showed showed a true a true reflection of, of how that game was. Credit to them yes. they they took their, their opportunities but I, I kind of remember in that game when DuPont was I think red red carded and boy they look like a team that can be rattled easily. Um, yes. But but listen credit to them at the end of the day like you said, Paul, they've got a winning winning record on that. I'm, I'm pretty sure John can probably elaborate a little, little bit more, especially on that Springbok game.
4: Well, they, I mean, they were definitely the second best team on the day, and um, unfortunately, in the second half, the ref who who was refing that game, Paul, it was a, Wayne Barnes. Unfortunately. He he really had a shocker in the second half, and the this the this poorer team ended up winning the game because of some very bad decisions. It happens; it's not the first time, and sadly, <clears throat> it won't be the last time. But what really was shown up, and there was a certain there was a certain phase where you could see almost a shock on the French forwards' faces because you were quite right, um, Steve, when you said that they were manhandled. And obviously, they hadn't experienced that at all during the year, and they came up against what is the best pack in the world at the moment, and they were physically just absolutely dominated. And the other thing that, to the credit of the uh, Springbok coaching staff, who are not known for, um, let's say, incredible tactical nous, very good motivators, very good structural planners, but... What they did is the French kicked to them and the Springboks refused to kick back. So the Springboks attacked with ball in hand um, and ran the ball back at the French. And the French had left all their defensive lines way back, waiting and expecting the Springboks to resort to the normal Springbok game of, of kick and chase. And so there was acres of space in front of the receivers of every kick. And what they did is they just charged at them, and with the new um, sets of wings that the the Springboks have, their first and second, and even their third choice wings have so much pace. And also with Rue uh, orchestrating it, um, they exploited that space, and the French looked bewildered at times. So um, they're not the they're not a um, you know they might go in as the favorites probably as hometown favorites uh, an edge over the irish um, but they're nothing like the, let's say the 2015 all black team right that uh, you know they don't don't be misled the, that 2015 all black team may have won by a couple of points the semi-final against the springboks but it really it was never even a contest that score line was a complete misnomer. The Springboks never looked at one stage like they could get out past their own 10-metre line. Um, it was like a big brother holding a little brother at the end of, you know, a hand on the head kind of thing. So I don't think the French are that type of team. They might have the crowd behind them. They might have um, home ground advantage, but they they are a team that uh, as can get wrecked. And Steve uh, summed it up very nicely.
0: But they do what, what. One thing they do do is they rack up points. If you're always racking up a large number of points, you're, you're giving yourself a good chance to win it. And that's what they've. That's what they've been mm. doing. What um, they
4: do, what they the, do um, do, and this is a great credit to them, is when they get in your 22, they score points. Yeah. One way or another, when they get in the 22, they score points. Much like the English women's team in the World Cup. That same sort of ethos. Once they're in your 22, um, they score points and they're ruthless at it. But, um, you know, come the World Cup, there's a lot of planning that's going to go around how to counteract that. And teams will have to look at what their defence structures will be against the French in order to hold them out, you know, um, and not give them that opportunity to penetrate into the 22.
0: Very true, yeah. Discipline then is a big thing. Don't let them kick into your 22. But that's so that's France coming into this uh, Six Nations off the back of a fantastic year in uh 2023, 2022, sorry, um into 2023. Uh but sitting number two in the world, number one in the world is um Ireland, who again had a uh, had a very good year last year, uh their first ever win in New Zealand and their first ever series win, obviously, as well, um in New Zealand. Um, from that, as uh, after the uh, coming second in the uh, the Six Nations, but the, as I talked about with France, there as to how many points they were scoring. If you compare that to uh, um, to Ireland, they only scored um, thirty points or more um, three times um, in that season: once against England, once against New Zealand, and once against Fiji. Which I think uh, from uh, whereas uh, in um, whereas France um, racked up um, I think it was eight uh 30 plus scores so it gives you a different idea that this is a a, a a very different style here they're not going to blast you away with lots and lots of points what they're going to do is they're going to stop you from scoring um, and uh, because you can't score that many points um, they are going to win the game by scoring just a few more so a much more disciplined much more uh, perhaps organised and uh, defensive style of game compared to the, perhaps the flamb- uh, perhaps I'm being uh, sort of sort of falling into stereotypes here about flamboyance, but uh, I guess the scoring ability of the French um, is uh, is 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 that part of the battle we're going to see in the Six Nations, Stephen? That's sort of the, uh, the the sort of the, the attacking team versus the defensive team. Yeah, listen, the, the Irish are, are are a very
3: good attack team, but I. But I also suspect that they haven't got a lot of depth outside their <clears throat> outside their 23 pool. If you if you look at a if you look at a lot of their lot of their results, you know we shouldn't we shouldn't forget they actually they are, were the number one ranked the number one side in the world. But listen, at the end of the day, they did they did lose a few games along the way. They lost to the, Fr- the French. They lost to the All Blacks in the first test whilst taking out that series. And they are a very good side that plays um with within their within the structures their attack structure is very good it's um it's it's based around pr- predominantly uh, a, a club site the majority of this site is made up of the the leinster, leinster club side now I have been watching in the in the, U, the URC it's it's quite interesting some of the South African teams have actually been taking them on in the in the in the forwards. Making it really difficult to, at break breakdown, and and putting them in a putting them in a situation where they haven't got that that ball that they're going to get all the time or a ball from ruck ball, and if you can shut them down in that particular area, um, I think you're you're halfway there to, to, to beating a team like I Ireland. Um, a big a big player for them though is their first five. Um, they wouldn't Johnny Sexton as a player, they certainly wouldn't want to mm-hmm. see injured. Um, I don't know if they've actually got the depth to, to cover cover him, but they they have got a, a solid set, set of forwards. But uh, sorry to once again take you back to to the games that they were beaten in once you know by both the French and the and the South Africans who should have should have beaten them. If you get a pack that matches up against them, I think you have got a good chance of chance of knocking them over. But in terms of their chances for the twenty twenty three, of course they'll 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 be there or thereabouts, mm-hmm. uh, no question in this year's uh, championship.
4: What I love about the Irish is how that the, the style of play. They I mean they really they play with ball in hand, they they have wonderful attacking structures, there's so much skill and they do all of this in a very wet and cold and muddy environment that they play in, and yet they still pursue this ball in hand, quick rap right ball, attacking multiple lines layers of attack and 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 I applaud um, their coach it's Farrell isn't it yep I, I applaud uh, Farrell for um, for the way that he's coached them but the key to that whoops, uh, sorry something's just messing with my my uh, my audio here but the the key that Steve mentioned and he hit it the nail on the head is quick right ball. And for me, the key player for them is their number seven, who I think was World Player of the Year, wasn't he, uh, Paul? Yep, thumbs up there from Stephen
0: Harris.
4: Yeah. Now, what's his name? He's got some French-sounding name.
0: Uh, um, Vende, Vende, Vende Van
4: de Fleur. Van de Fleur. Fleur. No, yeah, the, 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 the
0: South African-sounding name. Even
4: no, no, no. Well, de Fleur is French Huguenot kind of Fleur. And... Um, Yes, and he, you know, then we, we circle back to something that I've been, that, that sounds like a, a stuck record, but the primary role of a number seven is not to slow down opposition opposition ball or turnover ball. The primary role of a number seven is to secure you quick ruck ball on your own quick ruck ball. And this is the thing that Richie McCord did and the huge difference that he made for 15 years for New Zealand rugby is that when he played, New Zealand got quick rock ball. And the times where they, the only times where New Zealand really looked um, to have an issue was when he was up against uh, somebody that could really counter him um, and and give him trouble at, at the breakdown. You know? Whether that might be George Smith or... Um, oh... Anyway, I forget the South African, the short little South African number, number is six, because six is is the uh, open side in South Africa. Um, oh, uh, uh, Brousseau. Uh, oh, Heinrich Brousseau, right? But otherwise, um, that the reason why Dan Carter um, and Ma Nonu and Conrad Smith and what insert wing left and right – um, et cetera, that, that they could thrive was because he secured them amazing quick-grunt right ball, right? And for me, uh, Fender Fleur is, is the key for the style of play that they make. Now, if you're going to counter them, Steve hit exactly the the right note that you've got to get stuck into them on in the forwards and you've got to make him uh, not as effective by dominating them in the tight five, you know? So, which is a big ask because Tad, Tad Furlong is a, is a great player, um they've got uh, that former lions lion's uh tight head that comes off or lucid that comes off the bench now um he, uh, he, anyway paul will know his name but but yeah the um it's not an easy ask, but i do I do love the way they play
0: and I, I, look, I, and I do think it is going to be Ireland and France, and then everyone else tr- trying to keep up. Um, and I think what I mean, John mentioned earlier about home and field advantage, I think that could be the difference in this. Uh, the Six Nations is that France have to travel to Dublin, they have to travel to um, to London. They're playing away to England and Ireland. Now, remember, the big diff or one of the big differences between the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship is that you only play each team once, so you either play them either home or away, not home and away. Um, yeah. And, so, uh, so hence you have a, a hard year and an easy year. This year is a hard year for France because having to travel to having travel to Dublin, they're having to travel to uh, to London. Whereas Ireland host France and they host England. Um, the uh, uh, this this um, this time around I meaning yeah. that the two strongest teams have to travel. The, the Ireland have to play have to travel to them and they will play at home. And I say strongest by using world rankings and last year's results before Scottish and Welsh and Italian fans get angry with me um but um so yeah so perhaps that'll be the difference between these two is the draw rather than necessarily the teams themselves uh in this but uh, but it, it's those two and then daylight for the for the other four teams in my opinion and you can probably tell that just by looking at the amount of red uh that we're going to see across the next four teams they're yeah. the only two teams that had winning records last year all the other four teams had losing records um and uh, I think that's probably going to show again this year, even though the uh, the big thing is the for, for, for two of these teams is their change of head coach in uh, England, uh, having got rid of Eddie Jones and brought in Borthwick, Wales, got rid of Pivak, brought back Gatland. Um, uh, boys, uh, is that going to be enough to change these these columns that England and Wales have got there to, to show more to show be be more green than red or is it a or is the problem deeper than just changing the head coach? For, for me, Paul, I, I don't think the change of head coaches is, is
3: going to make too much of a difference. I mean it's a like Warren Gatland, he's pretty experienced he's experienced. He's been in Wales before. He'll have a fair idea of, of the of the players that he'll have in the squad deal to deal with. And I, I probably throw Steve Borthwick into that category as, as well. He'll have a fair idea in the squad who he's got. Obviously with his first squad that he's named, he's he's cut a few players adrift and, and bought a couple of players that he, you know, the likes of Coles in the, in the front row, he's brought back in the side. So no, I, I don't think that's g- going to be a difference. I, I have a funny feeling this is going to be about that home ground advantage this year and you, and you mentioned Ireland playing France in that second round game on the 12th of February, which going to be the game in the round but you know i look at the first weekend you've got wales hosting ireland and cardiff boy yeah ireland should win that but you know it's not going to be easy england are hosting scotland i, I think I'm, I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back by by england but we, we saw how good scotland how much they've improved and italy host france at home and italy are an improved side i'm actually quite excited about this, no, about... I think I think Italy Italy traveled to France this year. Oh, Italy. Oh, that's that's okay. Well, I'm only really going off the draw, which normally
0: gives the has the home side, the home side first. And um I, I, I may have typed it in wrong into my calendar because I've, I've got all yeah. the games in my calendar so I know when to wake up and uh, have my alarms yeah. going off. Well you'd um, be waking up at the wrong time, mate, because it's actually it's being played in uh in Rome at Stadio Olimpio. Sorry, and you are what you what are I'm correct. It is yes, it is it is it is in it is in and it is. A, but I got the time right because it's four AM start. But I got this is because, why I got he keeps inviting me back, right. uh, uh, John.
3: <laughs> no,
4: that's because he doesn't have an ex-wife. He doesn't have a wife anymore to tell him he's wrong. So, <laughs>
3: there. He? I thought he disappeared there for a moment. Yeah, no, so no, no,
0: no. and it's in you my, know editing uh, my calendar, so I got the correct the correct so the, the game incorrectly. Oh. I just get a feeling that there just might be a spanner in the works
3: along the way we know that the French sometimes can be can be slow starters you know you you, you think back to um you know you think you think back to the to 2022 2022 in their first round you're sure they got a good win over Italy but it was only really in that particular game now that I'm looking back because I've got all this stuff at my my fingertips it was really only their last 30, 30 odd minutes that they they pulled away from Italy in that mm. particular
0: game, and that was that was a home game. So, um, okay. you
2: well, know, we've talked a lot was... about
0: a lot, of, a lot about France and Ireland. Race so, um, since you are talking about Italy, Stephen, um, if we look at the look at Italy's results from last year, lost to England, France, Ireland, Scotland before getting that win against Wales in the last round of the Six Nations by one point. They beat Portugal and Romania, two Tier Two teams. They should do. They lost to Georgia for their first time ever. That was Georgia's first ever win over a Tier One team, winning that one 28 to 19. They don't beat Samoa. They got a, a one point win over Australia before getting thumped by South Africa. The wins over Wales and Australia versus losing to Georgia is that is is that actually a, 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 are, you, are you happy that actually going in the right direction with that with those results or? Kim?
4: It's, Steve, because um, I'm going to sign off shortly, can I just yep. interject for a second? Yep. I think that that really a lot more should be made of the strides that Georgia has made as a as a rugby yep. nation. They have chosen rugby as their national sport, and that might be politically motivated by a, a um, semi dictator who loves the game, but. Hey, let us not look at this particular gift horse too closely, and uh, for cavities, right? Um, so, they have come a long way as a rugby nation from being just completely forward-dominated style of play. They didn't just beat Italy; they beat them twenty-eight nineteen, right? They um, they are they are a team that. They are a a country and a rugby nation that is sitting on that sort of cusp that has the potential to become a tier one nation. And really, um, that's a place that World Rugby should invest because there's interest there, there's investment there already by the people who are in that country and and financial investment as well. Um, And I think that we should really be uh, supporting Georgia in their journey to become a tier one nation because rugby can't stay just this uh, six group of nations in Europe and three in the southern hemisphere, you know, sort of circulated by every now and again, Japan rises up or something like that. The game needs to grow. And I think Georgia is one of those areas where it really can grow. Um, and there's great potential there. Uh, and yeah, and, and and don't look down on, on Italy beating Australia. Don't look down on Italy beating Wales. Um, they've got some genuine, exciting talent there. Um, the number 15 has really got something. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's very exciting to see the style of play that they employ. But I'm going to say my goodbyes now, gentlemen. It's good to see you. Um, let's look forward to a great season.
0: Just before we go, um, yeah, as, as Stephen said in our private chat, fantastic haircut, John. You don't quite look... Uh, uh, as so as biblical as you, as you kind of uh, did before with all the wild hair and uh, and stuff. So looking look, looking rather slick, which is uh, which is good to see, um, and uh, great to have you back. And uh, uh, stay safe uh, down there in uh, in Hamilton, where you, it's wet but not quite as wet as, as some yeah. other. Uh, yeah, our
4: thoughts so are with you, Steve. Um, uh, yeah, our thoughts so are with all of you guys in Auckland.
0: Thank you, John. Much appreciated. Cheers, mate. Um, so, Stephen, um, so John bigging up Georgia there uh, and, and saying, so actually, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't put that as a negative in the, in, in the Italy column too much. Um, but, um, yeah, is, is two one-point wins against Wales and Australia versus that uh, nine-point loss against Georgia, are Italy heading in the right direction or not? Well, I think the lessons now for some teams
3: don't play your second-string team against Italy. Because you might come up short, and <laughs> and in the case of both Wales and Australia, I, I'm not too sure how strong that Welsh team first was, but I know the Australian team um, wasn't their full strength side. I don't think you've just got to be wary of them now. You can't afford to play another strength team team against this Italian team. I mean to say, I, uh, I'm just forgetting the name is Caputo. I think is the fullback. Boy, what an exciting! Um, Talent! This kid is at, at at fullback. He can open any sort of de- defense up. You know, once upon a time, Italy were one of those teams that would just defend, defend, defend. But I think under Kieran Crowley, they've actually added a little bit of a attack to the in their game. Even in some of the the, the games that they were they were beaten quite uh, heavily in the first part of the um, of the Six Six, six Nations. Uh, Paul, they they actually scored some really really good. Good tries. I think even I think even against the French, they may have. Um, yes, they did. They actually scored the opening try in that particular game, and it was an absolute beauty. So they, so they've got points in them. You know, no, 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 no question there. Obviously against England, they found England a, a little bit, a little bit tough. T- England and Ireland a little bit tough to handle, but then sort of seemed to find their
0: mojo a little bit later in the later in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be, it, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, I'd say it was a bit of a mixed year. Getting those two tier one scalps though is uh, is, is fantastic for them. Um, I think will will we'll do a lot for for their confidence um, coming into this tournament. Are they going to be down at the bottom end of the table? Yes, um, but um, the question is, can they um, knock off one or maybe two of the other teams? We'll have to wait and see um, on that one. Um, we don't want it, so they open up um, against um, France at home before traveling to England. Uh, then they host Ireland uh, Wales and their final game is away to Scotland. So um, the, uh, and unfortunately for them, the, in some ways, I think their Welsh game comes after Gatlin's had like three games with the, the Welsh team to get them into his kind of style um, on that one. So the, the, um, so there is so that that's uh, perhaps I would like to have got them first up before Gatlin gets some kind of moving would have been a good one for them but um, yeah both those last two games they'll be they'll be aiming for really with the first three to um, sort of get the systems in place. Um, so we talk about Italy now. Let's move on to um, Gatlin's Wales. Uh, now look, it's quite clear as to why um, Pivak went only three wins all year. Yes, uh, a historic win in South Africa. But um, as I was asked in the live chat, how did that happen? Well, that happened after South Africa made 14 changes going into that uh, second game. Um, losses to Italy uh, and also uh, Georgia. So Georgia's, uh, Georgia's <coughs> only their second ever Tier 1 win, as we have talked about, their first one being against Italy earlier uh, in the year. Um and, uh, that's, uh, uh, and, and losing to New Zealand, uh, you expect that to happen, especially if it was outside the, the window. Uh, also, Georgia uh, and Australia in that November window with just that solitary win against Argentina. Um, Gatlin's gone and done something similar to what he did when he first took over Wales, pff, what feels like about 100 years ago now. Um, and uh, he's picked 14 players from the Ospreys uh, in his squad. Um, he did that. He actually had 14 players in his starting 15 from the Ospreys in his first ever game against England in the uh, Six Nations um, a long time ago. Um, Stephen, I think he'll still. Uh, Nocturne Rice his dad's army for Wales under Gatland. And I think you know, he's gone back to players he trusts he knows. Uh, and uh, you can't blame a guy who has only caught, what, uh, what, five games here, two or three warm ups. Um, he's got like six to eight games. Um, before the World Cup, he's going to pick players he knows, isn't he? Oh, very, very much so. This is not a. This is not a tour.
3: This is not a sort of midwinter tour down under to New Zealand, uh, or a summer tour as they call it, up in the up in the northern hemisphere. He's he's got to get a team that's actually competitive, um, and just basically, you know, probably get the Welsh public back on the back on the team side because you know after those those results that result against Georgia and of course um Italy boy those those were if you're a Welsh supporter those two losses were probably a little bit a little bit hard to take so he needs to get them back into being a competitive unit. Hence he's decided to go with players that he, he knows. Um, he's gone strong on one particular club. I haven't got an issue with that. You know we spoke about Ireland before the majority of their team coming out of the one one club side, so they'll probably have a lot of combinations um, going going for them. But boy, they'll have to play with a with a heck of a lot of uh, heck of a lot of passion, or else they will be battling it out for the wooden spoon in this competition.
0: Unfortunately, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Um, Wales got to be well. They only got one win last year, so two. two I think two wins would be a successful Six Nations for them. Which um, perhaps, uh, but I think more importantly, would be. Um, actually seeing a style of play and seeing combinations that could be ready for later in the year. Um, now, perhaps that's a bit defeatist, walking into a Six Nations like that for a team like Wales. But uh, I think after only three wins last year and all of that red, they had the least number of wins out of any of the European teams, even um, Italy having more wins uh, than they did. So, um, so yes, you've got to say that uh, it's... Um, yeah, it's a tough ask for for Gatland, but he's walking into a system and an environment he doesn't know. On that one, a team we've not talked much about, and a team that had an absolute yo-yo year. Um, if you if you look at this, they kicked off well with a good win against England, but then lost to Wales, France beat Italy quite comfortably before getting thumped by Ireland. Headed over to Argentina, where they um, lost by um, by eight points, won by twenty three points, and then lost by three points. Again, real, real roller coaster for them. Before in the, uh, before having some credible losses, as you say, one point loss to Australia, beating Fiji, um, a good performance against New Zealand, still losing 21-31. and then th- a strong win against Argentina. The backdrop to all of this was um, Scotland have two professional teams. They're one of the smallest player bases and selections that you can have, and uh, they have got one player who is a world class ten. Uh, British and Irish Lions uh, in, fin- uh, in in Finn Russell but uh, uh, Town'send the uh, head coach fell out with him and he got exclu- left out of some some squads brought back for some squads they've had teams players breaking curfews going for drinks including the captain hog uh, in that so we were talking about how off- the- pitch stuff can impact teams like France and they seem to put seem to put the performances in um Scotland don't have the same luxury of talent, um, do they, Stephen? And uh, I think getting that harmony in the squad off the pitch is going to be important for them, uh, coming into this year, yeah. An interesting fun fact about uh, Scotland, Paul,
3: those very first three games that they played in the, in the 2022 20, uh, uh, six, six nations, well, seven, 17 was their number because they obviously they beat England 2017 <laughs> in that game and then lost to. Wales 2017 before conceding 36 points and only scoring 17 (laughs) against uh, France in the third game. So uh, they scored, (laughs) they were on an average of 17 points after uh, after each game. You know, probably one of those sides that they sometimes drop their level against certain teams and lift against other teams. You know, you could arguably say they really should have <clears throat> beaten Australia, you know, it came down to a, I think it was Blair Kinghorn missing a, a very, very kickable penalty, and the game against New Zealand, boy, those, those were just little margins, really, at the end of the day they probably played their best 40 minutes of rugby ever <laughs> um, in international rugby, in a very very long time, now, had they played to that level in every in any every game who knows, but once again I do wonder if that's one of the one of these teams, and you, you spoke about the number of professional teams that they they have. Um, if if they've actually got the player depth, I'm, I'm saying that. I actually thought they probably, you know, they should take a bit of inspiration on those last last two two games, or even those last four games that they played, because those last four games. Let's 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 not forget they drew a series in Argentina. They beat Argentina twice, and there was a very, very good performance right at the end where they beat Argentina by 52 points to, to 29. In fact, they absolutely thumped them. So you throw it in that Australia game and the New Zealand game. Boy, I listen, I think they can only hopefully they can build from from that. They've got some really, really good players and they they collectively look like it look like a team that knows how to play a team but I once again I think they probably gotta have their, their game drivers uh on 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 the panic. a player a player that I I I really got a lot of a lot of time for and I just love the way the guy uh actually, actually uh plays plays the game is their um is their is their lightweight light flanker. I, and I've just unfortunately tried to look up look up his name um Watson or something something like I that. But, yeah yeah. Very, very good footballer. Now he, ironically, didn't didn't sort of feature in that uh, that that last game. But boy, they've got they've got a good solid pack and and really an, an enterprising back three. You know, really good back three. You've got a back three of Darcy Graham, uh, Vandermeer, and and and
0: Stuart Hogg. It's it's not the worst pool. It's not. I I you now I've been listening to the Scottish Rugby podcast and. Um... I'll be honest. I've, I've I've not listened to one this week, so I'm not fully up to speed with it. But I do believe Darcy Graham and Van der Merwe were both um, injury issues for this um, uh, Six Nations. So I do think, look again, uh, look player depth is going to be a big, a big problem for them. It always is. So any injuries is 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 a is a problem. Getting everyone on the same page is also another issue. Uh, as, as as Townsend comes across as someone who tries to be disciplinary, which just doesn't work. Uh, with uh, with a number of players in this squad, one of the things Eddie Jones has mentioned before is you can have one character in the squad, um, and he wouldn't name who it was in the England squad, um, but um, but you couldn't handle many more than that. So it's a matter, of, uh, and that's what Townsend's got to get used to is, is handling those characters and giving them enough leash um, so that they can uh, do what they can. So the um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how Scotland goes. Um, I know that uh, Townsend's on uh, borrowed time, or Everyone's expecting him to go after every World Cup. So this, this is his last hurrah this year. Now, unfortunately for Scotland is they have a tendency of performing well in, in, in the autumn awesome internationals and then totally flopping in the Six Nations. Um, and so if you are a, a gambling person, um, I would be wary of that, folks, of, of Scotland's ability to carry that form through into the uh, the Six Nations. Um, yes, two credible losses, two good wins in that autumn awesome window. But I'll be honest with you, they flattered to deceive or that's not, that's not fair. They've promised um, from the from Austin internationals before and not been able to carry it through into Six Nations. And I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that again this year, um, to be honest, is is my prediction on that one. Um, so, Stephen, I think we've gone through and talked about most of the teams uh, in as much depth as we can. We perhaps haven't talked about England as much as we uh, as, as perhaps we could have done. But um, I was, I, I, just just a, just a quick word on them.
3: Listen, I think they've they've actually got a really good draw in this year's this year's competition. Like, um, probably their, their one challenge is 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 going to be playing uh, playing Ireland away, um, at, in in Dublin. That's that's always tough. But listen, there's no reason why they shouldn't beat Scotland at home in their first game. They've got England at home. Oh, sorry, Italy at home in the second will be that will be kind of crazy if they're playing themselves. And um, <laughs> then they play Wales away, and once again, you you kind of back them to to beat Wales. And then, then of course, the, the the first of two big challenges, which is against France at home. But you know, if they've built a little bit of momentum by then, who who knows? Who knows? They they could be a little bit of a uh, they actually could be a little bit of a tab smoky for me
0: wow um folks a uh, quick reminder here don't gamble with any money that you can't afford to lose uh, <laughs> do it as a uh, it's, it's not an investment it is uh, it, it is a yeah it's so, so, so yeah so be careful folks with um, with with that mm-hmm. um i yeah uh, wow well, I'm, I'm obviously being an england fan myself you have much you're, you're more positive than i am being uh, with them we've got to i, I i'm I th- i'm very cautious to see kind of how Borthwick goes he's never head coached an in- international team before um, but um, he has done it at club level. He's got international experience as an assistant coach of both Japan and England, um, so he has been in this environment before, but I'll be interesting to see whether he can carry it through um, as, the, uh, as the big man. Um, now, being a second rower himself, clearly he is a big man, um, but um, the, uh, we'll see whether he can uh, take it, see if he is metaphorically um, as well as physically, because we know that uh, a certain Martin Johnson Whilst he was a, whilst he was a fantastic um, player uh, and a large man wasn't that great a coach. but um, going back to those world rankings then you can probably see why France uh, and Ireland are two and one at the top there and there's a gap down to England in fifth place. Uh, if you look at the actual points themselves it's an even bigger gap as well. Um, and uh, you can see that just from the color of, of that chart I showed you of all those games. Scotland then seventh Wales ninth and uh, Italy 12th. Um, to me, I wouldn't be very... I, I, I think Ireland and France at are top two and then probably England, Scotland, Wales, Italy in that order again, just like last year. But um, as Stephen says, look, this is the, the, the home and away. Things can uh, cause it, can, can cause difference in momentum is a wonderful thing if you can get it. Also, this is a, this is a, a, a championship that has got a lot of history. Uh, teams get up for these games um, and uh, sometimes... Uh, that passion can be enough to carry a team, especially Scotland or Wales against England, um, for example. Um, we've seen Scotland come back from a massive deficit at half-time to draw a game at Twickenham, um, and uh, England-Wales games, or especially Wales-England games over there in Cardiff, uh, are always tough. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Um, and uh, with England at $5 for the championship, is that Stephen? Yes, it's correct. Uh, then uh, wow, that's um, uh, as I say, I can't see I can't see anyone outside of Ireland and France being champions. so um, if you fancy losing your money then go for it um, is uh, <laughs> um, but then again, I have been wrong occasionally before, not very often but occasionally um, on these sort of things. Uh, I will be aiming to uh, watch these games um, live this weekend. so do join me on um, uh, on the old socials. If you want to have a chat during those games, um, they uh, they should be um, an absolute cracking watch. Wales, Ireland, again, we've got the stronger team away, so that should be that should be cracking. England, Scotland, I've talked about how Scotland can come back from big deficits. Italy, France, again, the stronger team away, um, so cracking games there. But um, what? So France and Ireland. So France, France or or France and Ireland come first and second row uh, there, Stephen, or is it France or Ireland to win? Yeah, no, they're sharing they're sharing
3: it. They're both at uh, two dollars two dollars thirty five. If you're feeling a little bit adventurous, you've got uh, Scotland at seventeen dollars, and Wales are about twenty dollars, and Italy. Well, no, I would I won't even go there. But they're very <laughs> yeah, very, very long
0: ones. There we go, folks. So um, that's uh, that's coming up. So that's going to be obviously uh, the main topic conversation, plus the uh, looking forward to the uh, Super Rugby. Um, uh, Stephen, let me know that there has been a, a preseason game. We're ready to see Fiji and Drua and the Melbourne Rebels. A 24-0 win for the Fiji and Drua over there in Fiji. So, cracking um, start for the Fiji and Drua. Uh, but look, these are only preseason games, folks. Don't, uh, don't go putting uh, too much um, weight on these games. Um, for for that one, uh, but um, looking forward to to all of that. Um, also folks don't forget uh, will be the club season will be kicking off here in uh, in New Zealand and um, I'm sure steam will be getting around the as many of the Auckland club rugby games as he can hopefully um, the, the the club rooms have survived the rain we um, have seen some pictures from Eden who unfortunately really look flooded and uh, their weights and uh, mm. uh, their, their gym room looks to be a, an absolute disaster unfortunately so um, hearts out there and thoughts with uh, with Eden um, I don't know how the other clubs have gone, but uh, let's hope that uh, they can. That, that there's not too much damage to the old to the old equipment for the, for, for these teams. Absolutely, Paul. I
3: agree with you. I agree with your thoughts, and I hope that I'll be driving out to most of these games, as opposed to finding another mode of transport uh, with another big batch of <laughs> rain
0: hitting our way over the next forty eight hours. Yeah, folks. Look, stay safe. I was going to go up to Auckland tomorrow, but uh, decided to postpone that to next week. Um, the, uh, but so, so, folks, do stay safe. There is some more heavy rain coming over the next couple of days, um, and uh, so do say, do uh, clear clear the drains around your house so that uh, to to avoid as much flooding as you can. Um, Stephen, thank you very much for joining me. Um, thank you, everybody, for and don't forget next Monday, eight pm, and Mondays now, not Tuesdays going forwards.
2: The
1: cat